I feel very uncomfortable with my list. Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Definitely Maybe, which came out in 2008, which honestly that was probably the most shocking part of this rewatch is how old this movie is. It came out before the proposal. This was his, this was, he was not a, he was not a star. No, I was trying to think. So he is Ryan Reynolds. This movie starts Ryan Reynolds, Isla Fisher, Elizabeth Banks and Rachel Weiss with some like a not little more than a cameo, but not much from Kevin Klein. I love Kevin Klein's character. It I has a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was written and directed by Adam Brooks. Yeah, I was trying to think about like what was this like the first thing that Ryan Reynolds did that made him a star after? Obviously, personally, I know him originally from Two Guys a Girl Two and a Guys Pizza a Girl Place. And a Pizza Place. I don't think this made him a star, though, and we're you're cutting into my thesis on why this movie does not get as much recognition as I think it deserves. Okay, well, I think go. what made him a star was the proposal. I think this movie came in like in the early mid aughts, like from two thousand one to two thousand ten. Rom coms, you had these big budget. Big celebrity, big premisey rom coms. Your Legally Blondes, your Thirteen Going on Thirties, your Proposal, your Made in Manhattan, with huge celebrities and fun premises and a lot of money as rom as far as rom coms are concerned that go into them. This movie isn't really that. None of the women were really big stars at the time. Ryan Reynolds. Was it TV star? Like, what year was Two Guys, A Girl, in a Pizza Place? Um, it it was 1998 to 2001. And so after that, he was doing a lot of, like, broad, like, frat boy comedy, like the Van Wilder stuff. Okay. Um, Harold and Kumar. He had, looks like he had a bit role. Waiting. So he was not. Just friends. Like, he just was. Just friends. Doing, Put it on the list. Doing, he was doing comedy, but it was much like broader comedy this was the first true rom-com that he did i think i guess just friends is a rom-com but it's like a it's a it's more of like a broad gross out right he was not the like leading man that i think we think of him today Mm -hmm. so with this movie act and there's like this movie in a lot of ways reminds me of while you were sleeping in that there is sort of this broad premise he's playing this the premise of this movie is his he's getting divorced. His daughter, played by Abigail Breslin, the biggest child star of the mid-aughts. Yeah. It, he's going to tell her the story of the three loves of his life, and she's going to guess which one is her mother. But that is the premise where then what you get is great and, conversations and, and the beautiful th- shots of New York. The other thing I'd forgotten is, like, Breslin, Abigail Breslin's Maya is the character, the daughter. Like her, I think, or at least in this rewatch, my interpretation is like her motivation or her goal is he's going to tell her this story and realize that he loves her mother and decide we're not going to get divorced. Right. She's she's doing the parent trap thing of like trying to get your parents back together. 
And one of the other things I really love about this movie is it writes children very well. She is a smart child, but she is a child and she has childlike wants. And so often in rom-coms, you get the precocious kid who's smarter than the parent. And that's not what we have here. We have a smart kid, but what she is going for is very chi- is a childish, I want my parents back together. And her dialogue is that of a child. They're yeah. not, they're, they don't have this like, wise beyond her years, rolling her eyes at her dumb parents, kids smarter than the grown-ups, kid. It's, like, very natural. And so I think what this movie has is the sort of 90s, and, like, we're sort of back into it now. Like, I think of one of the movies on my honorable mentions, The Big Sick, of, like, people having genuine, honest conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie gets lost in the mid-aughts, big-budget, big budget big star romantic comedy and we sort of equate it with those movies but since it's not those movies we don't regard it as like as great as a legally blonde or a 13 going on 30 but because it came out when it did we don't talk about it with the dialogue driven like conversational rom-coms which tend to be your and my favorites and i think it even kind of gets lost like in the ryan reynolds canon because I think when we think about his turn as like a rom-com lead we think about the proposal which fits into fits very nicely into what you're talking about is sort of like a big budget lots of lots of big stars great cat like really like stocked cast kind of rom-com and this you're right it has a much more sort of New York-y dialogue-y rom-com and it also it the other thing that it does is like I had kind of forgotten like how much time we span in this Mm -hmm. like in the where he's in present day where he's telling her this story we only span like a week or so but a day fully uh, no I guess I guess like the last third of the movie is like a week later with him on Wednesday and Fridays right so it's like so she's going home with him on a Friday and then on a Wednesday the movie ends right yeah so like five days but in the flashbacks of the story that he's telling we span like a decade or more 15 years and that's really interesting and i don't think that that's done a lot and we don't see that particularly in the kind of rom-coms you're talking about where like people are falling in love you know over a like long weekend wedding um so that that's really that was very interesting i think this movie has kind of like a fun twist at the end twist i use lightly so if you haven't seen it twist it has a rom-com twist. If you haven't seen it and you want to be spoiler-free, just be warned that this Go is Go watch a... it and then listen to our podcast. We need yes. the streams. This is not going to be a spoiler-free conversation. So he's talking about these three loves of his life, which we need to get into because the other thing I love about this movie is how these women are written. Um, so he's talking about the loves of his life. She's guessing her mother. Her mother is Elizabeth Banks. The love of his life is Isla Fisher. The right. twist of this movie is... this is your mother we have we are getting a divorce that is the right choice for us this is the woman she's sort of the one that got away and they have this lovely decade-long friendship that's really well written and really well acted and really well characterized like you see them in a when harry met sally-ish way you see them you see their friendship and their love develop very slowly and very naturally Mm -hmm. 
and their chemistry is very good. His chemistry with everyone is very good. You be, like any of these women could have been it because their chemistry is so good, particularly his chemistry with Rachel Weiss. His chemistry with Abigail Breslin is really, really good. Mm-hmm. I believe that Ryan Reynolds, who was what, like 30 at this time, is a father to a 10 year old because his chemistry with her is really good. He's a good actor. <laughs> Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is a very good actor. He Ryan also Reynolds has, is to me what Chris Evans is to you, a, like, boring, hot white guy that I stand. I, I literally wrote down, is Ryan Reynolds hot or is he a tall white man with good skin and pretty decent comedic timing? I, I think, think it's it, that. Like, I, I think don't, it's the latter. I don't know that he's, like, I think we've been tricked into believing Ryan Reynolds is hot. He's but handsome. I think, I'm not, like, if he I wasn't think, a celebrity, you wouldn't be boo boo Like... But I also think so much of it is his performances and, like, this persona that he has. I mean, if you follow him on on social media, like, he he comes across as a very funny guy. You know, he and Blake Lively have this this kind of, like, fun interchange kind of on social media. Kind of a legend Tegan, kind of like a yes. legend Tegan social media presence. Right, without quite the same thirst. But yes, Um <laughs> They um, did. We should say they did get married on a plantation, and that is bad. Yes. Their wedding um, does not hold up. No. But so I think that, like, a lot of, like, Ryan Reynolds' star quality is due to his personality, which is not a bad thing. Like, I'm not saying no. that as a criticism. But I think that, like, because he's, like, the hot guy, we sometimes forget that he can act. And and I remember, like, when Deadpool came out – People were kind of like, oh, Ryan Reynolds is funny. Oh, Ryan Reynolds, like, did this really well. Oh, Ryan Reynolds can be, you know, the superhero. And it's like, yeah, guys, he's hot, but he can also act. Like, he has talent. There's a really good sequence of this movie where he's, uh, Rachel Weisz has written an article while they are together, sort of revealing some shitty stuff about, actually, (laughs) some stuff about his, this guy he's trying to get elected. And so they end up breaking up. And he likes and uh, because of this, like he loses his job and he and his best friend get into a big fight. And so he spirals into this depression and he plays depressed it really well. Like there's the scene of him sitting on Isla Fisher's stoop when he tells her he's drunk. It's his birthday. And he tells her he says, I'm in love with you and you need life rehab. And she has the very appropriate response of hitting him and saying, get off my stoop. And his like drunken depression love is very well acted. I believed it all. And you and she's absolutely in the right to say, get the fuck off my stoop. Like, you drunk asshole telling me I need life rehab. <laughs> like, all of you need. This is all rom-coms. Everyone needs therapy. But I was watching that scene and I was like, Ryan Reynolds, you're a good actor. And the problem is, we think you're hot. He has, like, he should have a Ryan Gosling-esque career. And instead he's gotten caught in this like hot guy thing when it actually he's very talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I'm distracted by the hotness. Yeah, no, I think he is very talented. I mean, I think that this movie, like you said, I think it's because it spans so much time, he's asked to do quite a bit. Um, and he does it kind of effortlessly. And it helps that the, the women that he's acting with are also all fantastic actors um and they play really nicely off of each other um this is also just a really well-written movie i mean it's written by adam brooks who's kind of like 
a rom-com, rom-com like gen- genius kind of i mean he's i looked it up and then forgot to write it down but he did uh i think i think the worst bridget jones which we both won't hold against him <laughs> wimbledon practical magic french kissed almost you like he's got some what did he do on practice kind of, write practical magic yeah he wrote the screenplay he's credited with writing the screenplay he is credited with the screenplay along with robin swicord and akiva goldsman yeah so he's got cred to him and he and he's like there's a there's a i hate like i don't want, like there's a feeling of this movie where you can tell it feels very like writer directory like mm-hmm he feels in control of it in a, in a good way, in a way that you're like, oh, you got, you produced your thing and it feels like your thing. It doesn't feel like 12 people got on a screenplay and tried to create a good rom-com. Right. There is a moment like where Rachel Weisz and, and Kevin Klein are having scenes together and it's like, you two prestige actors. And then you have like these, you have like Elizabeth Banks, who like this time was known for what, 30 Rock? Like you have Elizabeth Banks, Isla Fisher from Wedding Crashers and the guy from Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place. Like what are you prestige actors doing here? <laughs> yeah. But they're, I mean, they're wonderful. I mean, they're, there's, there's some really wonderful kind of character moments and relationships. Yeah. There's some scenes between Kevin Klein and Rachel Weisz. Kevin Klein plays this older man that Rachel Weisz sort of has an on again, off again love affair. I think he it's was fair her to college say college professor. I think he was, her, he was her graduate, like thesis professor. That's right. Um, and I, he's supposed to. I, I think he's kind of supposed to be like a Hunter S. Thompson kind of character. There, there's a line that indicates that he wrote like the great sort of debrief of the McGovern campaign. And I think it's fair to say that, like, he is the love of Rachel Weiss's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some really, I mean, there he's not a great guy. But there are some lovely no. scenes between the two of them. And you see the love and respect that they have for each other. Well, and on that note, I think one of the things that makes this movie really well written is he's not a great guy he's probably like the worst of the people we see but this movie has such a respect for its characters like Mm -hmm. everybody does bad all of the women and ryan reynolds and kevin klein all make at one point make really questionable choices although the one the questionable one rachel rice makes i support (laughs) but like elizabeth banks is his college girlfriend who when he leaves to go to new york to work on a clinton campaign because it's 1992. <laughs> um, she sleeps with his college roommate. Why he tells his child that. You have you have to sort of buy the How I Met Your Mother. Like, why are you telling the, your child these details of your life? Yeah. You would never tell your child. But we got to move past it. Um, Rachel Weiss like, writes, uh, exposes something bad about the guy he's trying to get elected governor later on. Isla Fisher has sort of like a free-spirity can't settle down intimacy issue thing and he holds on to a book she's been looking for her entire life because it connects her to her dad and he says some really awful things to her and he says some really awful things to her that scene is hard but that you're not the writing is not trying to make him a good guy in that scene he's supposed to be at rock bottom and she has the reaction she should have but it takes all these very complicated people and writes them with respect and nuance, and they are all believable, particularly all the women. They all have like a slight archetypal base. Elizabeth Banks is the 
college girlfriend sort of marriage material who ultimately becomes the mother. Rachel Weiss is the career driven. Isla Fisher is the sort of free spirit one. But then built on that base are these real messy, complicated, smart women that you buy him loving any and all of them. Yeah. And it's respectful to them. He's it's respectful to the relationships he has with them. There's no sort of like this woman was a villainous, evil person. The new the way these characters are written with nuance and respect and care is really masterful in a worse movie they would be so much so much more like basic one note people well and because like when you eat when you meet each of them it would be so easy to fall into the archetype i mean when you first meet isla fisher she is in many ways sort of the definition of the manic Manic pixie pixie dream girl dream girl like she she is that before that was a thing um but because we follow this character over the course of more than a decade and we see her grow and we see their relationship grow, she is developed so much more naturally than, you know, the Kirsten Dunst character in Elizabeth Town or the Natalie Portman character in Garden State or Summer in 500 Days of Summer. She is a far more interesting character than any of those characters. And granted, like those movies were doing a different thing and we can debate whether that was better or worse or just different. But this, particularly the female characters that make for a much more interesting movie. Same with Rachel Weiss. Like when we first meet her, her, she could very easily become sort of like the ambitious, cold woman. But we see her- like, Risky at sex. So we, we meet Rachel Weiss because she and Elizabeth Banks went to camp together. Elizabeth Banks is returning her diary where she outlines, like, they kissed at camp or maybe went further at camp. And then his best friend is reading the diary and is like, they're freaks. And I was like, two teenage girls kissing is what constituted a freak in 1992? I mean, probably. <laughs> because Rachel Weiss is supposed to be this sort of, like, sex positive sleeping with her thesis advisor, kisses a girl at camp sort of woman, which you could very easily write as bad slut. Right. And you and they don't. No. Um, no, she she is fully flushed out. And I think, like I say a lot when we discuss these movies, like I talk about like whether I feel like I, I could know these women or not, you know, and I forget what we were – who we t- were talking about where I was like, I don't know this woman. This woman doesn't exist. It was one a movie we did fairly recently. But, yeah. but in this... I know all of these women. Yes. Yes. I... There are elements of these women that I absolutely know or could know or would be friends or with. Or am. Like, yeah. Yes. Um, and that makes for a much more watchable and rewatchable movie. Yes. I did realize in watching this movie that, like, you and I have a very specific brand of rom-com that we love. And to be fair, it, like, that tends to be the type of rom-com that is most regarded as good movies. But it's the When Harry Met Sally, The While You Were Sleeping, the, the, the grounded, nuanced, conversationally driven rom-com. Well, I think part of what happens in less successful rom-coms is that you get really boring or really one-dimensional women Mm -hmm. and I 
frankly don't always have a lot of patience for that. And that's not to say that there aren't movies that I love that have that could have better written women. Um, I mean, we talk we talked about Wedding Singer last week, in which everyone's one dimensional and is supposed to be like right. Um, but you know, we've talked about like rom coms often have tropes. Um, and I think sometimes, like, those tropes can lead you to a very sort of unnuanced place. And so I feel drawn to movies where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those movies. Yeah, one of the things that sort of highlights this, we never know why he and Elizabeth Banks are getting a divorce. Other than, yeah. so they they were college sweethearts. They break up shortly after he moves to New York because he propo- he proposes to everyone in this movie. Uh-huh. And Isla Fisher's always there to see the ring and be like, why? Marry me! Except she never says that. And I I imagine that they just live out a really happy life and never decide to get married. That's that's my... <laughs> sure. Um, but so he... She tells him she slept with his roommate. He breaks up with her and goes on living his life. And then later they meet at a party... They meet at a party of Summers who's played by... Um, Rachel Weiss, after, you know, 10-ish years later, maybe a little less than that, maybe like five to seven years later, the kid is 10. This movie spans 20 years. <laughs> um, anyway, and then you, uh, so after that, they fall back in love, get married and have this kid. And then when we meet up with them in present day, they're getting divorced. Right. And it's never talked about why. We don't know why, except that we've now seen a movie where, we know that the person he's supposed to end up with is Isla Fisher, but she's never sort of like vilified in any way. She is portrayed as a good mother. He spe- when he talks about her to his kid, it's very respectfully like this movie represents a healthy divorce. Well, and I also like I don't think that there is any inclination that like he married her and had a child with her knowing that he was still in love with Isla Fisher. Like, I no, think, like the- I believe he loved her. Yes, and I think, like, in his mind, like, that that piece of his life was sort of done, and then as he's telling this story, he's realizing, like, there's still a lot of residual feelings there, and sort of, some, like, some un-dealt-with stuff, but I don't, I, I don't think that the movie is trying to tell us, nor do I ever get the sense that he married Elizabeth, like, he somehow tricked Elizabeth Banks into no. marrying him while he was in love with somebody else. No, again, because all three relationships are so well-written that you believe the love in all of them. It's sort of this, like, it's sort of playing against this rom-com trope that, like, there's only one person for you. Yes. You have one great love of your life. He says, I'm going to tell you the story of the three women I had serious relationships with, these three women that I loved. Well, and there's a scene earlier on where Isla Fisher says, like, she doesn't believe that there is one true love. She believes that at some point you wake up and you, you're you ready to be married Get and married. settle down. And the person that you're with at that moment is who you're supposed to be with. And I think there's a lot of truth to that theory. Sarah has a medical school friend who calls it, like, your cherry popping. Like, once your cherry is popped, like, that person that you're with, like, that – as long as it's, like, a good and, and like, working for you relationship, like, that's the person you're supposed to be with. Yeah. Kind of regardless of, like, you know, one true love or soulmate or anything like that. And I think that this movie is, you know, we don't have any other than that, her saying that there's not a lot of, like, explicit conversations where we're sort of, like, picking that apart. But I think this movie is playing with that concept of, like, 
you know, the one that got away versus like you can love a lot of different people in your lifetime. Yeah. Yes. It, it's respecting all these women as people he loved and cared for without cheapening sort of like there's no like but they weren't you line. You know what I right. mean? Like he never disrespects Elizabeth Banks or Rachel Weiss by saying like they're not but they're not Isla Fisher. It's like, no, you had unique that's the other thing I like about it. All the relationships are so unique. Like you mm-hmm. had unique, important loves. And then this is the person who maybe is the most important or the most sort of like your ultimate one. But that doesn't cheapen these other relationships you had. No. I just and he, like and he even says to his daughter, he says, like, you've got a great mom. You know, like once yeah. you realize who the mom is, like it's clear like he still has a love for her and she gave him this child that he loves. And there's a very sweet moment at the end where she's told this kid that this that she shouldn't she gets very anxious. Oh, because Summer's pregnant. And she's like, I don't want her to be my mom and you're not my dad. <laughs> it's like a very cute child thing. Like, you're telling me this character's pregnant. Is this how you're about to tell me that you like have taken me on out of obligation? <laughs> and he says, like, no, relax. Um, this story has a happy ending. And then later on, he when she's going back with her mom, he says, like, you are the happy ending of this story. And it's this very sweet moment of, like, this is a child who is loved by her parents who are no longer a functioning married couple. Right. And there's no sort of, like, I mean, this just isn't that movie, but there's no sort of, like, marriage story angst. Like, we don't see the, like, divorced angst. It's just like, oh, these are two people who love and respect each other who don't want to be married anymore. Right. And it's a refreshing thing in a movie like but we and we also get like less from elizabeth banks because this isn't her story this is really ryan reynolds story but like we also get to see his grief that his marriage has not worked out yeah and i think that that that's really nice and again really natural because truly like even if you have an amicable divorce and you know it's the right decision like that's That is a grief that you have to deal with. Well, and he's watching how it's sort of affecting his child, which like, uh, you know, I I firmly believe that people who don't want to be married anymore should not stay together for their children. I think it's ultimately healthier for the children to see this, a a happy, functioning divorce couple, than it is to see a dysfunctional married couple. But that doesn't mean that this kid still doesn't have like grief and shit to work through. And, And you sort of see his grief and like, oh, my... I'm now putting my child through this hardship that her parents are getting divorced. And yeah. all of this three relationships, this father-daughter relationship, this mini sub-relationship between Rachel Weiss and Kevin Klein, all of it is well-written, nuanced, and developed in an hour and 45-minute movie. It's like truly masterful. You should not be able to get all of this stuff into this movie so well. And yet it does. The other thing I like about this movie is that, yes, it's a rom-com. It's quite clearly a rom-com, but it's also a movie about growing up. And it's about a movie about, like, finding your people in your 20s. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of great scenes, like, when he is kind of coming up in his career. Career. um, Where he's, you know, like, kind of creating his family in New York. And that includes Isla Fisher and some other people that he works with. And it's basically everyone he met working on the Clinton campaign, which he meets Isla Fisher working on the Clinton campaign. She doesn't have any politics. She's just there because the copies pay better than babysitting. I truly, right. like, I truly, Isla Fisher is who I wanted to be in my early 20s. And Rachel Weisz is who, like, I might be now, except less successful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's just, it's a nice 
there's a there's a lot of like really nice stuff going on in this movie and it's more than just the love story between him and Isla Fisher. Yeah, there's um, a really like it's very small, but him and his best friend have this falling out and then you see them sort of get back together. And again, it's very quick and it's very short, but it's sort of like, oh, these two men love each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Male intimacy. Um, and one black person. <laughs> right. Yeah. The diversity. Also, <laughs> the idea that like Bill Clinton's 92 New York office would be that hopping at all times is really wild to me but whatever we're just gonna let it go we're gonna overlook that you know what i believed in the 92 bill clinton office you see and it's fun like we talked to this like how last week on the wedding singer about how like this movie was made in 98 and it's flashing back to the 80s and like this movie was made in 2008 and it's flashing back to the 90s it's like doing a similar thing but there's this fun nostalgia of like watching him defend bill clinton and isla fisher being like i don't think he's the guy you think he is and then she on the night of the lewinsky scandal breaks she calls him to be like watching it like there's a fun like 90s kid air yeah and i mean you and i were younger than i mean we are slightly younger than ryan reynolds is now but there's this young sort of like if you grew up in this era nostalgia of what we thought bill clinton was versus who bill clinton became there's also like they talk a lot about uh this is very like politically smart for the times because they talk about this guy they're trying to get elected governor who rachel weiss ultimately sort of ends his campaign as the tough on crime democrat which now we watch and we're like oh don't elect that guy tough on crime was bad (laughs) right we're gonna put a generation of black men in jail but it's but that's who you'd be that's who like this ryan reynolds character would be working for in the 90s is a tough on crime Democrat because that's what Democrats were doing in the 90s. Right. For, I was going to say for better or worse, but we now know it was for worse. You know, there it's just a very smart, like, period piece. Like a 90s period piece. Which the, is weird. Um, The other thing I noticed in this rewatch is that, and this is, I think, hard to do with a male, like a male-centered story, but his costuming is so smart. Mm-hmm. Like every time you see him in a suit, that suit is telling you like how he feels about his life and career at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like his best fitting sharpest suit was when he was running that gubernatorial campaign and he is at the height of his career and he is living his passion versus like in present day where we know he hates his job and he's working in like marketing and he's he's wearing like pleated pants that don't really fit and his suits too big on him and like and also early on when he's right out of college like he he's kind of got this like you know like it's like a little bit too big it looks like, like a kid midwest up. like midwest yeah. like all american kind of thing going on um and so we see this like progression in his costumes that is really subtle but kind of fun they do the same in Isla Fisher's characters. In the first scene, she is wearing a, uh, I think it's a Smith's t-shirt with a vest and a miniskirt. And she wears a lot of miniskirts and boots. And then as the time goes on, she starts to wear sort of like flowy tops and flowy dresses because she's, you know, the bohemian who's traveling. Side note, also love that her dream is to travel and she gets to travel and then still get like, and it's benef- you're benefited from this movie spans a lot of time. But this woman's gives up nothing of the life she had planned to be with a man and I love it but I digress 
And then later when we see her in present day and she's working for Amnesty International, she looks more dressed up and put together, but that her it's still her character. It's nothing yes. you could have put on Rachel Weiss as like an ambitious journalist and believe she'd be wearing. It's the you're right, the costuming is very subtle and smart. Well, the, I mean, you said that like this woman doesn't compromise anything. None of these women do. They no. all make the decisions that are absolutely right for them. When Rachel Weiss makes the decision to publish the article, the movie is not telling you that she's somehow a bitch or she shouldn't have made that decision and she ruined her love life. In fact, Ryan Reynolds reflecting back and telling the story to his daughter said she absolutely made the right decision. That was her job. She was doing her job and she shouldn't have covered it up to save his career. Mm-hmm. Um and so this movie and Elizabeth Banks, like when she initially walks away from their relationship, it's because where he's going is not what she wants. Um, and so I think that this movie really allows its women to be like people and have identities in their own right. And that never really gets compromised for their relationships, romantic relationships. Mm-mm. No, I love it. It's great. I stand by. <laughs> um, there were like there were a couple problematic things, particularly when we were in the earlier '90s, which made me wonder if we are reflect. We say the R word at one point. Mm-hmm. At one point, someone calls someone else retarded. Um, where did I write it? Because I would love to remember the ex- what the exact line. It was he calls. He says it about his college roommate. His. Like, yes, you're right. His college roommate is sort of a goof, and he says, like, he's func- he calls him functionally retarded. And I sort of I was like, oh, come on, guys. And I'm not, and like, I, maybe I'm giving this movie too much credit, but it's also 92 when that word was used much more freely. So maybe we're like reflecting that time, but also like, we know, we know what time it is. We don't have to be throwing around slurs to get there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I was kind of like, ooh. That could have, you could have used any other insult about that guy. And, like, did we all throw around the R word? I mean, not all of us. Did people do that much more casually than we do today? Thank God, yes. We should have known then. But I don't know that we needed it in the movie to, like, to, like, be a reflection of that time. I think. No. Um, they show a nice shot of, uh, uh, W of W Bush, because they're talking about, like, Clinton's running against H.W. And they talk about, like, this lesser seen uh, person of the Bush, his son, who is a chief advisor to the president. And I was like, oh, my God, Bush, too, is the the original Ivanka. I had a panic attack. I was like, she's going to run for president and win. And it's going to, like, anyway, I spiraled. (laughs) This movie does um, a thing that we see and we've seen in other rom-coms where there's, like, a literary thread. In this movie, it's Jane Eyre. Um... Yes, we should talk about this. Isla Fisher. So her father gives her for, I think it was like her 16th, 15th birthday. Her 13th birthday, she wanted gold hoops. And he gives her um, a copy of Jane Eyre with an inscription in it. And somewhere along the way it got lost. So she's always looking for it. And he ends up finding it. And he died a few months after. Yes. Um, But it reminds me of the sort of through line of Jane Eyre in this movie reminds me of... Um, Pride and Prejudice and You've Got Mail or it's also very similar um, in Serendipity where they're where yeah. he's always looking for the book that she wrote her number in 
Um, and then Ryan Reynolds finds it and ends up holding it's his way like to get back to her in present day he brings it to her but then has to confess to her that he's held on to it for 10 years which is a very shitty thing to have done yes Yes. and he buys it back in the end by saying like it's the only it's what I had left of you which I think is like a I believe that in the buyback but also like you should still really apologize to holding on to this like thing that connected her to her dead father (laughs) right yeah yeah. I'm going to buy it because I want you to end up with her, but oof, man. Yeah. But yes, it's a lovely, it, her, like, the way she speaks about Jane Eyre. The other thing they could have done with her is, like, a manic pixie dream girl, like, Nirvana loving. At one point he asks who Kurt Cobain is, because in 92. Um, and she has to go traveling after he kills herself, which, after he kills himself, which just felt very, like, 90s bohemian girl. But they also make her very smart, which I mm-hmm. like. There's no glaring problems. I mean, there's a lot of white people in this movie. A lot of white people. I thought, I had the thought that, like, why couldn't we have made, like, at least one of these women not a white person? But I guess, like, the argument would be, like, you lose the mystery of who's the mother, which also, like, we never thought Rachel Rice was the mother. Like, you you realize pretty on, pretty early on, like, Rachel, it's not going to be Rachel White. I don't know. Like, there were certainly more more places for diversity casting and, like, filling this world with not purely white people than we right. took advantage of. Yeah, it's Although his New best York. friend is a black guy, which is more than a lot of movies do. Yeah, but I mean, he's not, that's, that guy is not a fully formed character at no. all. It's very, as are most of the rom-coms we talk about, it's very right, white, it's very heteronormative. Um, yeah, I mean, they fully, like, when they find out that these two women kiss, they're like, nah, freaks! Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so there's that. But, like, uh, there are no glaring issues in the sense of like ooh, that's really cringy or ooh, i don't think i can watch that and it is a really wonderfully written and acted movie um so even the plot points where you're like wait what you just kind of like let it breeze past you yeah even when he's like when you go back and rewatch it and you're like oh you told your daughter that his mother cheated on you with your college roommate and now <laughs> your child knows that information about her mother <laughs> like you forget it we just don't worry about it right right um, does that bring us to our top 10? Because I had a very hard time figuring out what would be number 10, this or you've got mail. And I have the reason why. All right. What's your reason? Well, I'm going to read. Should I read you my list for how should, how should we do this? I don't know. I'm very uncomfortable with my list. I, there are some tough calls here and reasons. Well, I that's may- why I have an honorable mention section. And that I put the caveat that for the purposes of this list, the Birdcage and Mamma Mia are not rom-coms. However, you made me do this in an attempt to prove that Definitely Maybe was not actually in my top 10. If you had conceded that the Birdcage was a rom-com, you would have won. You didn't, and so Definitely Maybe snaked in. That's fine. I mean, I don't have any strong feelings about whether or not Definitely Maybe is in your top 10. I just, this is hard. Like, it's just it's hard. hard. I have honorable mentions. Here's the other thing I realized doing that, which is part of the reason for my honorable mention section. Your favorite movies are the ones you're nostalgic for. So it doesn't leave a lot of room for your long shots and your big six. Yes. Which are both in my honorable mention. Here is my top ten. The first five are in order. And then it gets messy from there. Then I don't, you know. When Harry Met Sally, While You Were Sleeping, My Best Friend's Wedding, The Princess Bride, Keeping the Faith, Sleeping with Other People, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Sleepless in Seattle, Notting Hill, and Definitely Maybe. My honorable mentions are You've Got Mail, which at any given point will pop into 10, removing definitely maybe. 
for the purposes of this, I chose to, I really hate in the end of You've Got Mail when he says, don't cry, shop girl. It makes me cringe every time. And I really like the last scene when he goes back to Isla Fisher's Brooklyn apartment. So for that reason, definitely maybe eked out You've Got Mail on any given day it will switch. My honorable mentions are You've Got Mail, 10 Things I Hate About You, The Switch, which falls into the same category of Ooh, this is like switch. mid mid aughts writer directory like it has the same like vibe as this to me obvious child knocked up the big sick the best man holiday four weddings and a funeral and long shot also debated for a long time what would go in uh notting hill or four weddings and a funeral and i ultimately landed on notting hill hmm. that's my I, top 10 list i chose both sure i knew you would <laughs> All right, here's my top ten list. There, there are some choices in here that I'm. I'm so excited and worried. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with, but it's just the reality of the situation, and I'll you explain carry, myself. No one's judging. Yeah, I'll explain myself. Okay, these are in no particular order, although the top two are the top two. While you were sleeping, when Harry met Sally, Notting Not Hill. Top two are the same in the other order. Okay, keep going. Notting Hill, Hitch, keeping the faith. Four Weddings and a Funeral, The American President, Sliding Doors, You've Got Mail, Crazy Stupid Love. (laughs) You are never (gasps) the shit I got for putting definitely maybe in my top ten. No. And you come in here with crazy stupid love? (laughs) Okay. First of all. First of all. I am shook. I my my shock at definitely maybe in your top 10 was not about the quality of the movie at all or that it was just that I didn't like you and I have been doing this for over two years and we've been sisters for 34 and I never realized hey I'm 31 (laughs) bitch 31 I never realized that that movie would crack into your top 10 like it just surprised me was all so that's where my like no and that's totally fine but that's where my disbelief came from not in that like i was questioning the quality of the movie or anything i'm questioning look i like crazy stupid love i'm questioning it in your top 10 so here are the here are my honorable mentions which like there are some heavy hitters in my honorable mentions sure and i will explain why crazy stupid love bumped them my best friend's wedding 10 things (gasps) i hate about you Clueless, The Princess Bride, Long Swat, Long Shot, The Switch. Okay, Princess Bride to me, yes, it is. And we talked about this when we talked about. Yeah, when I thought we about it. About it should even go on my list. Princess Not Bride. Not because I like, don't love it because it's a comedy. Yeah, it is a comedy with a romantic storyline, and. That's not to say that, like, it's not a rom-com. I think when we discussed it, we decided it it is a rom-com. But, like, when I want to watch a rom-com, I don't pick The Princess Bride. Right. Like, in, in writing this movie, I was thinking about, like, what are the rom-coms I watch over and over again? And when I want to watch a rom-com, I will think of first. And Princess Bride is not that. That's not to say I don't watch Princess Bride, like, several times a year. I get what you're saying. You watch Princess Bride. It's honestly the same similar reason why Knocked Up is in my honorable mentions and not in my list because I love the movie Knocked Up. But it, you watch them when you want to watch a like full blown comedy. Yes, yes. 
But the objective of both of those movies is will this couple get together? Sure. Which is the argument for why the birdcage is not, although I was thinking about it, and the de- the denouement, the denouement of the birdcage is when they take off her wig and say, this is my mother. So I still think it counts. <laughs> no. I will never I watched the birdcages. I watched the birdcages. I fell asleep last night, and I was like, this is the most beautiful romantic story ever written. <laughs> May very well be true. Not a rom-com. I, I will, this is the hill I will die on. You know I have that another tic- question about your list. We keep that going. T- Go. That TikTok trend that's like, what's the hill that you will die on? Mine is Birdcage, great movie, great romance, not a rom-com. Okay. I went down a spiral of like, is Mamma Mia a rom-com? Because no, it's, it's all about holding married, but also it's who's her father. Right. Is that, then I went fully batshit and I was like, that thing you do is a rom-com, which doesn't make any sense. What I think I realized in doing this list is a lot of my favorite movies, as much as I am a rom-com fan and a rom-com writer, like a lot of my favorite movies aren't rom-coms. They're musical comedies. And like most movies, regardless of their genre, like have a romantic storyline. Right. We're not putting like, what's that Julia Roberts, Denzel Washington movie? Like they, don't they make out in that movie? I don't know. But regardless. All right. What are your questions about my list? What? Hitch! Again, I liked Hitch perfectly fine when we watched it, but Hitch? Okay, when we talked about it, I told you Hitch is one of my favorites. It has always been one of my favorites. And again, two things. But you also said that to get me to watch The Best Man Holiday, which cracked into my honorable mentions, and you did not say word one about. That's because I also don't think it's a (laughs) rom-com. I was like, I thought I was like, would I watch this when I'm craving a rom-com? And I'm like, no, because it destroyed me. It's about death. Yeah. No. Best Man Holiday. Best Man Holiday is a great movie. It's not a rom-com. It's, we did it because I think that Best Man is a rom-com. And we wanted to do the sequel. But I also liked the sequel. It's the rare instance of me liking the sequel and thinking the sequel is a better movie. than the Yeah. Original. Both true. But it's not on my list because I don't think it's a rom-com. Okay. So Hitch, okay, two things. First, you said it at the beginning when you started your list was you love the movies that you have nostalgia for. Hitch came. that's fair. I don't remember when Hitch came out, but I think I was probably like somewhere between 16 and 20. Like, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't tell you who exactly I saw it with, but there's probably a list of like 10 people and one of them I saw it with. And I own it and I've watched it over and over and over again. And I, I just love that movie. I have always loved that movie. And again, I, I, my sort of thought process in making this list was what are the movies when I want to watch a rom-com that I think, okay, I'm going to reach for this movie and Hitch is on that list for sure. There's no question. Do I think that Hitch is some kind of like wonderfully written, like, perfect rom-com no but does it make me happy and would i watch it over and over and over again yes okay i that's a very fair argument i then now have to add something to my honorable mentions first of all i will say i think it's interesting that not interesting it's very predictable that our top two movies are the same but inverted yeah i also think that they might be the best rom-coms ever made Okay, like, I'm saying that, like, so, this is not – we did not make the list of the greatest rom-coms ever made. Hitch, probably not even definitely maybe, like, would not crack 
that list. But when Harry met Sally and while you were sleeping would be on that list in some order. Yeah. The other thing I have to say is because of the nostalgia and it, uh, Bride Wars would, would be in my honorable mentions because I saw it. It was the very first movie I saw with my college roommates who went on to become, I didn't know at the time, this was like our first like going downtown to see a movie, but became one of my all-time favorites. For that same reason, Bridesmaids is in there, although Bridesmaids is in absolutely no world a rom-com. Yeah, Bride Wars has that same for me. Um, I love Bride Wars. Also, and I Brides Wars is genuinely hilarious because of the women who it was written by June Diane Raphael and Casey Wilson. Yeah. And I like, can't wait till we talk about it, but it's, and I do really like it. I mean, 10, 10 things I, not 10 things I hate about you, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Is that for me? Like that was a one that like my college roommates and I watched over and over and over again. But now personally in my life, neither of those movies are necessarily movies I'm watching over and over again. Correct. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm adding, Bride Wars, to my honorable mentions, though. Yeah. All right. Well, wow, this was divisive, and I'm glad we made it through. I'm yeah. also glad that making this list made me uh, purchase and watch as I was falling asleep uh, The Birdcage, because it's no longer available streaming. This Doing this also made me realize, like, there are a lot of movies we need to talk about. Yeah, I everything on my list is a movie we've talked about. <laughs> Mine has movies we've not talked about that we need to. Sliding Doors is on there. Two. Sliding Doors and Crazy Stupid Love. But then also, Love you're right, Bride Bride Wars and The Switch, both we need to talk about. That's my top ten. It doesn't. It might change tomorrow. Well, that's the other thing is, like, this, this is floating. Right. I remembered the big sick this morning and through it, like... I'm going to remember something as soon as we log off. <laughs> right. I actually, like, Googled, a, like, a couple of lists just to be like, am I remembering? Like, am I forgetting anything? Which then made me add a bunch of movies to our list of movies that we need to talk about. Um, do you want to bump any up? Do you want to do something next week other than the, William Blake? Like, le- I'm trying to think. There were a couple that I was like, how are these? They, they were not on our list yet. And I was like, what, what are we even doing? That's been our top ten. Come and find us on social media. Tell us your top 10. What have we forgotten? What are the movies that you're going to list? And then we're going to be like, oh, right. Damn it. Now I got to completely redo my list. Yeah. So, Allison, where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. We'll also put those in the show notes like we should always be doing and we forget to do. Um, Next week, we are watching a movie that I think Carrie might decide should have gone on our top 10. (laughs) Fuck, what are we watching? <laughs> Next thing we are watching as good as it gets. Oh, no. I haven't seen it since high school. or Because you used to watch it a lot. We had it on VHS. Yeah. We watched it I like as good as it gets. I'm not sure it's going to hold up. I don't think it's going to hold up. But also, I, again, my, like, my bright line test for what goes on the list was do I will I would I watch this movie over and over again when I'm looking for a rom-com and that is not one of them I mean when we were teenagers the answer to that question was yes but it also maybe it was just like a VHS we had available to us (laughs) yeah like if I'm gonna pick a Jack Nicholson rom-com I'm much more likely to pick something's gotta give these days than as good as it gets my predictions of as good as it gets is that it is there are going to be things about the movie that I 
still appreciate it. I think the performances are great. This will be an interesting one. It'll be an interesting one for sure. I'm kind of excited because it's truly one I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, me neither. But I but I remember watching it a lot at one point in my life. But I don't think I've seen it really since probably high school. Join us next week for the third part of Evie Drake Starts Over. Join us in two weeks for As Good As It Gets. Bye. Bye.